Hey, Ripley. Hi, how are you? Hey. We are fantastic. Awesome. You caught us. Oh, yes. Oh, are you drinking water or is that just all vodka? <laughs> it's got water in it. Okay. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm joining you. I have rum and uh, ginger beer. So, you know. Yeah, I have, a, I have a gin and tonic here. I have a grapefruit beer from um, uh, Canada. Oh, nice. Good yes. rattler. A good rattler. So we went, we were in Toronto last weekend for my birthday to see Pink. And so on the way home, we stopped at my favorite brewery and I got $108 worth of birthday beer. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. So, you know, you would think that they would like check your car when you're driving back and they're <laughs> like, yeah, how much do you have with you? And I'm like, uh, I have a case. And like, okay, bye. And that's all I had. I, you know, I was sitting in the back of the car doing fucking calculus, trying to figure out how much I could bring back. <laughs> Next time, I'm just gonna bring back like four fucking cases of beer. All right, like yeah. whatever. Do it. <laughs> that's awesome. Nice. It's like trying to figure this all out. I'm like, I could have had four fucking cases, and they wouldn't have given two shits. Take your chugs, last minute drinks, got my body breaks. Good. We're good. Is everybody good? Yeah. Do you have your depends on? Me? Yeah. I, I just went, I just pottied. Okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> Can you tell I talked to a five-year-old all day? Did you just go no. potty? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, are we ready? We're ready. Do you want to do intro, G-Rex, or do you want me? Can you still do it? Like, if I, yeah. if I laugh too much, I'm going to cough up a lung. I, I got it. I have a really bad cold from Toronto. Oh, gosh. All right. Yeah. Okay. You, you ready? Ready. We're going to do our countdown, ready? Ripley. Okay. Three. Three. Two. two one. One. Welcome <laughs> back to another episode of Shit That Goes On In Our Heads. Today, we are joined with the wonderful Ripley. Hi. Jazz hands. Yeah, yeah. We yes, need like yes, the yes. crowd in the background. <laughs> yeah. So Ripley, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time just to chat with us about a little bit about who you are. Um, yeah, thank you for asking me. <laughs> yeah, of course. So what do you want to share with the world about Ripley? Who is Ripley? Oh, oh my God. I, I honestly don't usually share that much about myself really i mean unless it's songwriting you know but um okay we can we can uh, jump in there have you written any uh, good songs lately you know uh i'm i'm in a hardcore band i i front um <clears throat> i front a band called mace um which is an abbreviation which probably will change <clears throat> from time to time uh, men are controlling everything men are cunts everywhere you know do whatever <laughs> you want to throw it in there but um <laughs> so we uh we're sort of queer core angry hardcore band and one of the songs i just wrote um is called um bodily autonomy and it's sort of crosses over two lines of where bodily autonomy is under attack in the United States right now, you know, with trans rights and, um, and with uh, women's rights as well, you know, um, uh, 
reproductive rights. So, you know, so that's super angry song that I just wrote. So, and we're playing our first show this Saturday, and I can't wait to get in people's faces and yell at them. I love that. So. That that hits that hits real hard right now for multiple yeah. reasons. So yeah. is that therapeutic for you to be able to release those emotions through song? It really is. It really is. I um and just it's therapeutic for me and I know I, I didn't think this originally because I was just writing these words and putting them out there, but um as I was approached in my my last hardcore band um by members of the queer punk community about how how happy they were that I made them feel heard and gave them a space to be able to, you know, vent some of their frustrations as well. So now I, that's another part of it that's very fulfilling to me to like um, just be able to give people a voice if they don't have it, you know? Yeah. And right now you are located where? In Florida? In Florida, in Orlando, yeah. We're like a little blue oasis right in the middle of uh, MAGA town. So. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I bring that up because, you know, we met earlier uh, just to kind of hear your story. And I think that that's such an influential part, at least something that hits close for me because we just moved from Florida. And part of, um, part of at least our reason of leaving was where Florida currently sits and, and how it doesn't align with our beliefs. Um, right. So, so hearing that you're out there and you're seeing the songs and giving voices to people who maybe didn't know exactly what to say, I, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on staying in Florida versus leaving? So originally, I was planning to leave um, when the laws started going in that direction. And I, I was, you know, I kept putting a line out there and being like, well, if they cross this line, I'm out, you know, and then they kept crossing a line because they didn't, I honestly didn't think they would get there. And I do have the ability to move because my, the company I work for is based out of Boston. So when in Massachusetts has very liberal uh, laws regarding gender identity and LGBTQ rights. So it was something that I was planning on doing. And then I, something after after I, you know, what I mentioned earlier about the, the queer punk community uh, approaching me about what I had helped them with, I decided, you know, this is where the fight is. If I leave, then then I leave that void here for those people that, that need it, you know. So I'm going to stay for now and, you know, uh, as long as I can anyway. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome that you're there and you're like, you know, helping to fight the fight and giving, um, you know, the queer community and the trans community like a, a light, right? Because right now those that light is dimming all around them and not just in, in Florida, but, you know, there's other states too. And I, I, I have to commend you because uh, for like my wife and I, we left at the height of, we left South Florida at the height of the pandemic. The writing was on the wall and I was like, I, I can't. I just, I couldn't do it. It was the best thing we did was move to upstate New York. Um, and frankly, you know, we live in a very small red town, but they don't bother us here. You know, I, I mind my business, they mind theirs. But I, I really commend you for, for doing what you're doing because I know, I can only imagine how hard it is. It is. And, you know, it, it's sort of a always looking over your shoulder and, and you know, 
and walking around with with mace at my at my side all the time you know because you never know where it's going to come from and luckily in orlando it's not too bad but um you know when we were my last band calling dead was on tour last year you know we, we went up and then some states uh i think it was um south uh south carolina maybe that we played a gig there and there was some there was some overt hate nobody really approached me directly but there was definitely some there and i it was palpable so luckily no, nowhere else that we played was like that but but you know you see it and and sometimes even in the punk community you know and, it, and it's it's kind of disheartening because it's like you know that's not that's not why we're here <laughs> yeah i f- i'm curious if um like when I think of punk rock, right? Like I think of like that always kind of being the purpose, right? Like speaking out for those that aren't heard, right? So do you think that your current journey where you are in life now is just like a natural progression? Like I'm just trying to figure out like, did you pick punk or did punk pick you? Were you always meant to kind of find this as your journey? So when I was in middle school, I think I think it was around then I had gotten into SoCal punk, and that was this is back in the eighties. And then I sort of got really quickly into to metal at that point because Slayer, like to, you know, jumping from punk rock to Slayer wasn't a big jump. So, and then I found a big voice in the, in, in metal because they you know thrash metal and stuff tended to be a little more politically aware and and uh for and you know left leaning and so you know and as growing up in a very small town like i did you know there was not much there was nobody around like a few kids you know that were into stuff but not a lot around to like go oh this is this is a cool view like other than all of the other racist kind of stuff that was going on around you you know and and growing up with what was going on in my head you know i felt like very very outside of everything you know and um my mom had traveled a lot when i was young so i saw the rest of the world and i'm like okay this small town i'm in is not the world like there's other stuff out there so it's sort of like that shaped my worldview you know um and i just kind of grew the music grew with me i i've i've been in and out of several different scenes like goth scene the the um the metal scene the punk rock scene uh, back and forth you know because i have a have a root in all of those you know but um punk rock and and now doing it i feel more connected to it um so i don't know i I like this this people you know like people are mostly friendly uh everybody helps each of everybody out it's a it's a good community um so Got it. and we're able to sort of partner up with organizations too that um you know with uh orlando liberation front and stuff to help out people that are having a hard time getting medications and you know and now you know florida not only outlawed uh trans care for kids they outlawed they made it significantly harder for adults to even access care so um that's that's another aspect of it um is there go ahead is there a way for like our our listeners to like contribute to some sort of funding in um florida or yeah around the around the country 
you know i would check out if, if you wanted to, something local to orlando it, it's more like it's, it's orlando liberation front um as far as statewide stuff you know the, the typical ones like aclu and they do a lot of work around, um, for helping out our community so offhand i can't think i can i can send you some links to yeah. um yeah well, that would be great i i want to include that in the show notes and stuff okay, cool um right. taking kind of like a quick step back because as i'm hearing your story like i feel like to some degree you're providing support to people who don't have that readily available so i'm curious when you were growing up did you have support no i did not uh you know honestly it was the late 70s you know when, when i figured out or when i had this stuff started happening in my head and i couldn't i couldn't put a word to it because there just wasn't a word to it and especially where i grew up i didn't even have access to information like you know how to learn about it you know and it wasn't until i was in uh in nursing school in my um gosh in my in my early 20s that i was able to put a word to it because you know and, and uh and a psych rotation i started learning about it and i was like oh my god there's there's other people out here like this too you know so i think that's um when i decided all right well i'm gonna just this is this is who i've always been um i have a way to express it now all right here i am so um the goth the goth community was super super accepting of me at that time you know I always this is the you know late nineties, so um, weird people are, are always accepted there. And, you know, like punk rock scene and metal scene, not so much back then. Now it's a lot more accepting than it used to be. But goth scene always definitely very accepting. So yeah, does that definite? Well, does that play a part in um, your beliefs of staying and fighting the fight and and providing? support or at least understanding to those that don't have it yeah i think it does i i don't think i've I've thought that hard about my my reasonings but like what shaped that but i would say yeah that that um the community i've been involved with is something that i want to give back to so yeah and this best way i can do it so yeah and and do you do you think that your self-love and, and self-care comes from like the music you play and how you um how you uh, I, I got my words are all messed up um it's the musics just gonna go with that. oh yeah she's she's completely drugged up right now I'm, I, I'm completely drugged up <laughs> um, but okay so when you're when you're playing your music or you're writing it is that your version of self-love and self-care it is, yeah. You know, um, I've been in several bands over the years, and I think that the last two I was in as a as a front person have been the ones I really connected in that kind of manner. Because before, I never I never really connected that much. I didn't put a lot of myself into it. It was kind of surface level stuff, and maybe I'd think about something I was mad about or something, but. I never really put myself into it. And I think with these are with, and especially with Mace, I'm putting everything into it and which that, yeah. And that's a big deal because I, 
I, I, I didn't start going to see a therapist until 2018. And that opened my eyes to all kinds of ways that I was being horrible to myself and other people around me. And um, being able to look at music through a different lens, you know, like respecting myself, um, like you said, loving myself, um, and just being okay being me um, has definitely influenced um, how I use music to as therapy. Yeah. And I think there's like a, there's such a level of beauty to that, like where someone is naturally figuring out who they are and evolving naturally, like not, like I think to some degree for myself, there's always like a, almost like a mechanic way where I'm like, okay, I want to be this or I want to accomplish this and finding a way to do it can be a little difficult because it's not natural. So I think there's a definite beauty in evolving the way you're meant to be and and it coming naturally and yeah. yeah it's hard to be vulnerable and being vulnerable is something i i've always had a problem with because i grew up i mean my parents were divorced when i was 13 and i grew up with my dad and he was not really present um all the time if at all and definitely not emotionally present um so i didn't really have a, a anybody to sort of show me how to deal with the anger and the frustration and, and the things that I felt inside. And of course, you know, didn't like myself very much, you know, like my dad was that kind of person who didn't, didn't really like himself very much. And he, um, you know, that sort of stuff spawns, it propagates to your kids, you know, like, and so I kind of grew up with that feeling and, and I didn't, didn't even know that I needed to deal with that, you know, like until everything came to a point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I was like, I have to, I have to do something about this and um, seeing a therapist and having gone through therapy for a few years now, it's just, it's, it's a breath of fresh air, you know, um, to be able to be authentic and, and not have to, and be, be able to, be vulnerable and, and be okay being vulnerable, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Like it's uh, funny. We were, we were just kind of talking about that dirty skills tonight because being on the podcast, um, she, she's used to not being very, very vulnerable and just being on the podcast has allowed her to be vulnerable and ask those questions and, you know, we're, this is season three, and I I've just seen you grow so much, and oh, I, my my heart kind of beams with pride oh. because I kind of like to bring that out of you. I don't know what to say to that. I'm like, because <laughs> I'm a jerk. Um, uh, yeah, I sweet. mean, I think that that's like as I was listening to you talk, Ripley. I was, I mean, I think with every guest, we kind of self reflect a little bit as we're hearing your story, and I remember me in high school. Um, not really. I mean, I, I guess to a degree, I still don't really know who I am, but I remember seeing like kids in the punk or goth scene and thinking like, wow, that's like so cool that they can be themselves. Right. And they can walk this hallway and not care what I'm thinking. Right. Like I'm seeing them and I'm like, damn, like I wish, but like not even really knowing 
who I was. I just knew that I wasn't that free or vulnerable. And I think having gone through therapy now, while I still don't totally know like a hundred percent who I am, I'm comfortable in saying who I am is not knowing yet. Right. Like I'm in this space in this moment and I'm getting there and like being able to be vulnerable in that way is, is kind of, I don't know why I'm talking about this. I guess to go back to to G Rex. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, when I got into middle and high school, for me, uh, a lot of the way I dressed was kind of like becoming a cactus, you know, because I build this wall up around so nobody really realizes how vulnerable I am inside, you know, like look tough and all this stuff, you know, and it's just like, it's ridiculous. You know? <laughs> um, um when I go back and, and think about that, it's just kind of funny, like how much of it was like what I really liked and what really reflected my my style and my attitude towards life and stuff and how much of it was just because I didn't want people to know what was going on inside. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think we all kind of wear different masks for that, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, it's like more. I'll just pretend to be what what won't draw attention, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just all different masks. But I, gosh, like where you are, like when I think of you and hearing your story and how you're willing to stay in Florida, uh, it's just like mind-blowing to me because Bizzle and I, we have a, a young kid, five years old, and you know, not that, you know, anything has come to light or anything like that. But I remember this one, my pivotal moment of leaving was being in a car with him. And he was saying, Mommy, you're so beautiful. And I'm like, well, you're beautiful, too. Or no, I said, you're handsome to my son. And he goes, well, I don't want to be handsome. I want to be gorgeous. And I was like, well, you're gorgeous, right? Like, just a very simple conversation. And me in that moment, knowing it didn't matter where I was, I just wanted him to be free and being whoever he will be one day and for us that wasn't florida but hearing your story like i can't imagine anybody not having that support system and being in that state and i think it's just admirable that you're one of the few that are out there willing to give a voice and fight and stay and and not abandon it doesn't you know like I said, because I live in Orlando, I feel sort of a little bit insulated from it. It doesn't feel like a lot. If I had a kid that w- that I probably wouldn't be here. There's no way um, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to raise them in an environment like this. But you know, for me, it's like I guess I've always sort of been different and been had that sort of looking out for the people around me that might not be looking out for me. Um, it doesn't feel like much, which maybe that's that's good because I have the ability to stay and sort of insulate from it. But I don't know. I feel like you know to your to your point there about your your kid, like um, there's so many of these expectations that, especially for 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 men, for women, like the the gender binaries, you know, like you if you're if you're you know assigned female at birth you have to be this way and if you're assigned male at birth you have to be this way and it's all predicated on some kind of antiquated need to reproduce and it's like 
Um, and and so I feel like the people that are transphobic or whatever, um, on one hand, they they are they've got this mindset that that people assign female at birth are only there to serve their reproductive needs or something, and there's no other use for it. And if you decide to step outside of that that box they put you in, then they're going to legislate you out of existence. And it's, you know, and, and with, with trans women, it's like, well, you know, they can't procreate, so they shouldn't exist because if I can't fuck them, then they don't know what, they're not worth my time. Yeah. That's crazy. so it's crazy just to think about, like, I'm starting to get angry about it because like that yeah. to me, it's just like, nobody has the right to tell me who I am. Right. right. And, and like that should just fucking drive me nuts. I'm like cracking my knuckles. That's a sign. <laughs> I'm like, getting pissed. I'm like cracking my knuckles. Yeah. Like I, it's, ah, it pisses me off when people think they have the right to tell you who you are or what you're worth. Right. Like you don't. And it always comes right. from people that aren't comfortable with who they are. And I yeah. feel like it's just projection. And it's like, well, if I can't be who I am, then you can't be who you are. And it's like, you know what? Like uh, a band that, that I used to like a lot until the thing with Paramore, uh, No Effects, had a had a um, a lyric in one of their songs like that you know like the blueprints for a better world were written on a postage stamp you know like I don't fuck with you don't fuck with me that's all that's all we have to do is just yeah. like don't fuck each other just let people live their lives yeah like respect human rights you know what yeah. I'm saying <laughs> like it's yeah. like. As long as you're not taking away the rights of other people, then then why do you care? You know, yeah. like right, like it's yeah, none yeah. of your business, literally. Like, it's you crazy. know, now that I hit the age of sixty, I just don't give a shit. Like if you don't like me, I just don't care. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the time for it. You know, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to be who I am. I've been out of the closet for a really long time. I have no desire to go back in the closet. It's not going to happen. Right. Um. You know, and, and I want to help out those that, you know, are trying to figure that, that shit out, right? Like, just, like, just fucking be nice to people, Because right? yeah. you have no idea what the fuck's going on in our lives. You have zero idea. Just be fucking nice. Can we just all work on that? Be fucking nice. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the internet, unfortunately, has exacerbated the problem because people exist on the other side of screens where there's no physical there's there's a physical barrier between them that can't be surmounted so all the vitriol and hate that comes out of people's mouths is so easy when there's no repercussions to it you know it's true so i don't know you know like in person it used to be i think people felt like there's if if they'd say things like like they say online it's like oh well, you might get beat up or whatever you know? <laughs> might be some repercussion to it but now it's like it's so anonymous that but unfortunately like the feelings that you feel when people say those things to you are not anonymous right. they're very real so yeah yeah, it, yeah the, the, the internet the media like we all say shit behind the microphone that we would never say to somebody in person right ever so i mean yeah <clears throat> If I could ask, and I don't know how, how easy this would be to answer, but thinking of thinking back to your younger self, how, I guess, what helped you get to the point you are now? Because you seem very strong and secure and like, 
not, I don't know, I don't want to say weak, but you seem very just self-secure now. How, how did you get here? Well, therapy is a big part of that. Um, you know, I came out in 96 as trans and there's just, there wasn't a support network. There was, you know, um, laser hair removal wasn't really a thing, um, or it was, but it was super expensive. Um, you know, I, 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 the job that I worked at didn't have insurance that would, that would help out with any, any kind of thing like that. There wasn't like a, um, a, uh, health network, you know, even you, you can just go to, a, a your primary care and say, this is my thing. Like, you know, like you had to go through a year of therapy and you had to go through a year of, uh, of you know, living as the, as your, your identity gender, uh, for a year before you could even consider any kind of medical transition stuff, you know? And so I just did what I could, you know, I, um, uh, try to live like that. And it worked out for me for a while, just sort of not being fully female, but like being more like, uh, androgynous mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle, you know? And, um, I, some, some things happened, um, in the, in the early two thousands that sort of put me back in the closet. It was a little bit my own choice and a little bit, you know, tired of, tired of putting up with society and, um, and, you know, that created a lot of other problems for me like mentally. And, and I, you know, had a lot of unhealthy ways of dealing with the frustrations that I had in my head. And I don't think that I ever put my finger on the fact that the reason I was doing these unhealthy things was because I wasn't being myself or I wasn't able to, to, to do that. Um, I didn't feel like I had a supportive environment for it. And, you know, you can only do that for so long and you just get to the point where it's like, it all comes to a point and you're like, oh my God, I, I have to deal with this. And that's what I was saying before, you know, that's when I I, um, I started going to therapy and I, I learned so much about myself in just a couple of months that, you know, weren't even obvious to me. You know, like my um, my therapist had pointed out a lot of, like, you know, the, my first therapy appointment, I just, I don't even think she got a, a moment to speak. I was just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Just like listen to me, I have this thing that come yeah. So, um, yeah, and and so and a little ways down the line, she pointed out a lot of things to me that I had been doing to myself and to other people that um, sort of helped me go. Oh yeah, that's wow. You know, um, it hurt. You know, to to be faced with that, um, but. You know, at this point, I've, I've gotten beyond it, and um, I've gotten to the point where, you know, now I love who I am. Like, I, I'm not going, I'm not ever going back to that, you know, going in the closet thing, like, I'm that pretending to be somebody else, like, this is who I am. And, like, you know, I think earlier in life, um, I was able to say, this is who I am, but I wasn't able to say, if you don't like it then, you know, see, ya. yeah, um, now I'm, now I'm able to just go, okay, I am worth 
more than your acceptance you know like i don't need your acceptance i accept myself he's <laughs> like that's yeah. a big thing to come up on you know that's so. huge that's such a deep huge statement that like oh i mean i can't imagine first of all how not how do i even wear this like i can't imagine having the courage to come out and say you know for once I'm acknowledging who I think I am in this moment. This is me. And then just kidding, like kind of go back into into yourself because somebody didn't like it. Right. Like I can't imagine living that. So to hear you finally say something like that, that I'm just like, oh, shit, like that's that's huge. That moves mountains. Right. To be like, this is me. I'm OK with it. And if you don't like it, go kick rocks, bro. Like this is who I'm going to be. And I part of me gets worried that there are that we're so close to like that being a thing where it's somebody saying sorry that's not who we think you are and like that shit scares me it's crazy yeah it is and the fact that that there that there's no basis behind what they're doing other than their own fears is what makes it even more frustrating, you know, like every major medical association has um, has come out to say, hey, you know, um, well, just speaking of the gender-related stuff, that this is fine. Like, there's nothing experimental about it. This stuff's been going on since the 70s. You know, we know a lot more about it. You know, we're always learning because, because you know, in, in medicine and science in general, we're always learning stuff. Um, but it's it's pretty well um researched and accepted uh, medical process now i just don't i don't know where all this came from i know i agree like what what the fuck <laughs> it's such a it, it's such a sad sad state of affairs and like you know i think about people and kids in my community right i'm in a very small rural farming community in upstate new york you know these kids that are telling their parents they're trans like how do we how do we help these kids right how do we give them a safe space yeah and how do you make their parents their parents not feel like because a lot of it comes down to sorry i mean interrupt you but um a lot of parents i feel like are under such pressure to raise the perfect kid that they're afraid of what society thinks about how they're raising their kids so they're just going to be like you know like no get back in the box get back in there don't don't come out because if you do i'm gonna look like a terrible parent it's like the whole um beauty pageant culture like the 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 parents that send their kids to all these beauty pageants or you know your kid has to get straight a's all the time or you're going to be a bad parent and i think that feeds into it as well that's so, so scary. It's it, so it, it is scary. scary, and you know, just always thinking of ways to to, to help help the kids out. And, you know, I'm thankful our little library is pretty progressive, so um, they have a lot of resources for the kids. And um, Tompkins County, Ithaca, you know, uh, they have a lot of um, resources. But you know, I think about kids like in like even smaller communities. Like, how do we help them? You know, how do we give them a voice? Because everybody deserves a voice. Yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, like uh, the uh, 
the small area that we live in now. I mean, it's not small, it's huge, but the, the neighborhood we live in now, literally right across the street from us is somebody who has a flag for a political party. I'm not even going to say what it is, but I don't agree with it. And I mean, it's huge. It's like, you can't miss it. It's right in front of your face. And I remember telling Bizzle like, okay, so now we need to get a flag so that other people know that like, we, we are a safe place. Like we don't, agree with this guy over here and what the fuck he's spewing like this is us this is our family this is our beliefs and like if you're gonna fucking wave this flag around like i can't imagine the kids that are running around and god forbid like any of them are afraid to be who they are like that sucks dude like that sucks that you have to see that shit every day it's just crazy you know down here it's like this sort of when you see a like a confederate flag or yeah. whatever because those are pretty pretty common down here um it's it, it makes you feel weird you're like okay yeah. but then you across the street there's like a, an inclusive like a rainbow <laughs> yeah. flag, you know? it's like yeah cool yeah <laughs> just a reminder of how fucked up we are as a world <laughs> like, yeah. god damn but I think it's a, I respect everybody's point of view, but there are some points of view that just are not helpful for anyone. And even the people that have those points of view, it's like, that's not helpful to you either. <laughs> like, yeah. come on, get some therapy. <laughs> I've never said all had access to therapy, right? Right? I mean, that's a, yeah, I, damn, bro, it's scary. Like, I'm just like, to get back to like, the parents thing like i think it kind of comes back to putting the right people in charge and educating yourself and not listening to the crazy bullshit that's happening out there and i think to have like a great kid it doesn't mean that they're of a certain gender or you know that they like a certain kind of person it's like are they a good person like right gives a fuck about everything else so well i think you know beyond even the you being a certain gender or whatever it's like if even if you're of a binary gender and you're a cis or whatever and you don't identify as is like a, another one um i think that society's standards of what boys should look like and what girls should look like is so stifling um so i you know and i think that that plays into it too it's like these same parents that we're talking about are like well what if my what if my daughter's not pretty like every other, you know, yeah. 90% of it, you know, it's like, or whatever this ideal pretty is, you know, or what if my boy is scrawny and not muscly and all this stuff, you know, it's like just, just these, these interpretations of what we're supposed to look like, like yeah. who said that? Yeah. marketing companies right yeah. it's all marketing bullshit it's like right. come on stop, stop buying into that yeah i know i was just thinking of like i could hear an accent like my son's not the star quarterback dating the cheerleader like get the fuck out of here yeah. bro <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so crazy dude yeah everybody's everybody was growing growing up was like put they people put that in front of you and go this is what you should aim for this is what you should be the prom queen and the prom king, you know, all that stuff, you know, and it's like, it just leaves 90% of the people out of the process. In, in the meantime, I'm a catcher eyeing the pitcher and I'm like, mm, that's my type. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not conforming. 
Right. So that's cool. Yeah. But, uh, Ripley, I really appreciate you sh sharing your story and, and, and just your resources, you know, like, and dirty Skittles, I mean, yeah. just for like, for you, you know, getting involved, that, that is 90% of the battle right there. Like, yes. just yeah. put yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. I go to a protest. You know, you meet people at protests. There's a lot of resources there. So I'm gonna send you a flag. Me? Big one. Mm -hmm. I big have flag. one. Yeah. Oh, I got yeah, it. Yeah, I'm gonna send you a really big flag. <laughs> okay. I'll I'll send you a picture of how big this one is. Let's make it twice as big. No, <laughs> Let's make it twice as big. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, just to piggyback off of what G Rex said, Ripley, I like I thank you not only for just joining us and sharing your story, but the silent hero work you're doing. You know what I mean? Like and it, and it's coming naturally to you. So I feel like that might sound weird to be like, Oh, thanks for being a hero for Florida, but but truly, right? Like there are definite people that you're impacting every day and just like g-rex and i am sure have been both impacted by your story that there are other people that maybe you don't know about that are listening to your music that are hearing this particular episode that you're gonna have an impact on so i just want to thank you for what you do and and oh, thank gosh. you for choosing yourself in that moment to be your authentic self so yeah i appreciate you well, well thank you for having me and listening to me ramble <laughs> we need to like i'm sure we'll have to have like reach back out to you just depending on how shit goes in the world but i would love to hear an update yeah. at some okay, point cool. in the future yeah. cool thank you ripley yeah. it's okay to be not okay just make sure you're talking to someone